0: Want to look extra fabulous for this new year? How about doing what our ancestors did and slathering your face and hair with everything from ostrich eggs to pea to crocodile dung? Or fixing overplucked eyebrows by gluing on mouse pelts? I'm Patty Steele. Suffering for beauty. Next on The Backstory. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, if we're being honest, we all have stuff in our lives that drive us crazy. Maybe it's a job, a difficult relationship, or love interest, or honestly, it can just be the state of this crazy world we live in. For me, it's all three of those things at times. A lot of times it's not a big deal, but in the moment, it sure feels like it is, right? So how do you come to terms with those stressors and not let the negativity weigh you down? For me, therapy has always been a haven, where I can open up, talk about what's eating at me, and trust that this person will be honest, understanding, and discreet. Therapy isn't just for folks who've had major trauma. It's for you and me, so we can be at peace and become the best version of ourselves. When I connected with a terrific therapist at BetterHelp, she asked some on-point questions, and I actually heard myself working through some of the issues I'd kept bottled up. What a relief. We're back with the backstory. Okay, who doesn't want to look good? Well, you've heard that ridiculous line, it's better to look good than to feel good. You laugh until you realize how many people are willing to suffer to look better. We do it now with Botox, implants, plastic surgery, but that need to look good has been going on for thousands of years. And amazingly, some of what they used thousands of years ago is still effective today. Now first, we'll go back more than 10,000 years to ancient Egypt. Men and women were anxious to hang on to youth by protecting their skin. They used creams, oils, and makeup made with herbs, spices, flowers, and other less savory ingredients to look better. There was a primitive sunscreen made with ostrich eggs. And for noble women, there was nothing like a milk bath. Although Cleopatra later on apparently preferred to lounge in a bath of sour milk. Ugh. And who doesn't want a facial? Aloe and spices were mixed with honey and milk for an anti wrinkle and anti inflammatory mask. And makeup was essential to women and men. Lead, copper, and semi precious stones were ground up for eyeshadow. Their dark almond shaped eyeliner was made from burnt almonds, animal fat, and again, deadly lead. For lipstick, nail polish, and blush, they used animal blood and clay. Moving to the Greek and Roman empires, Plautus, a Roman philosopher, commented, a woman without paint is like food without salt. (laughs) Wow. They learned a lot from the Egyptians later on, but the Romans had some interesting beauty rituals of their own. In fact, the word cosmetics comes from the Latin word cosmetae. They were slave beauticians slash stylists. The cosmetae would apply makeup and jewelry and even pluck hairs from their employer's body, legs, arms, face, all over. Hair on any part of the body but the head was not appreciated then. Many people even had their entire head plucked, and men and women would shave their faces in private parts with super sharp stones. The cosmite would slather their employer with exfoliants and creams and anti-aging facial masks that tightened the skin and reduced wrinkles. Romans actually spent full days at the spa wrapping up with a mud bath and a massage with fragrant oils which left them radiant and younger looking, or at least feeling they looked younger. And it didn't stop there. Fair skin was a sign of aristocracy, while a tan made you look lower class. So, to lighten their skin, they used a powder made of lead and chalk mixed with crocodile dung. Ah, the price of beauty. Funny enough, despite the distance apart, beauty regimens in Asia weren't a whole lot different. In ancient China as well, pale complexions were a sign of nobility. Women would shave off their eyebrows before bleaching their skin with a gel made from mushrooms, lead, and rice. Fast forward to Europe in the Middle Ages, and once again, lead powder, alabaster, and egg whites were used to hide freckles, smallpox scars, and other blemishes, and create that pale white look. Problem is, it was a short-term fix, but long-term, it slowly poisoned them, turning hair gray, drying out skin, giving them extreme stomach pain. Sometimes it killed them. Worse yet, often this stuff just didn't work. So some opted for an even weirder skin whitening treatment, leeches. Getting rid of the blood flow in their faces gave them the gaunt pale look both men and women found irresistible. So they put the leeches around their ears. Now there were other beauty challenges as well. After trends changed, women in the middle ages had to deal with overplucked eyebrows. So they would glue mouse skins on their brows, dyeing the mini brow wigs to match their hair. You may have noticed in paintings of the 16th and 17th century big shots that they had really high hairlines, like back to the crown of their heads. That was hugely in vogue, and some folks plucked every hair as it grew in at the desired hairline. Others, like Queen Elizabeth I, used cat pee or dung, walnut oil and vinegar, as well as quicklime, to remove unwanted hair. It was also popularly used on the nether regions. Now the problem is, it sometimes removes skin as well. Actually, pea of all sorts was a beauty thing. In the Middle East, to make their hair glossy, folks rinsed it in camel pea. And in Venice during the 1600s, women looking to bleach their hair would soak it in lion pea and lay in the sun for hours using a Venetian hat, which had the top cut out so only the hair was in the sun. Finally, some folks, men and women, looking to go blonde, would mix human breast milk with saffron. So much for sweet-smelling hair. Now, by the Renaissance, things changed a bit. They still used lead powders to look pale, but they also believed the hands of a woman could only be beautiful if they were long, lined with tiny, light colored veins. So, women would use blue paint and apply thin cosmetic veins to hands, but also to their forehead and breasts. They'd coat that with egg whites so they looked like they'd literally turned to marble. If you had skin problems from all of this, they recommended treating it with blood from healthy red-headed men no older than 25. At the end of the day, the overuse of lead could leave holes in your face, so you'd either apply more lead makeup to fill it in, or use the popular 17th century beauty trick of gluing patches of star-shaped fabric to the holes in your face. Finally, want to whiten your teeth? They used marble, glass, crushed pearls mixed with honey. Eventually, your tooth enamel would wear off, but there's good news. During the reign of Queen Elizabeth, it was fashionable to paint your teeth black, mimicking tooth decay, meaning you could afford sweets. Plus, it covered up the enamel loss. 18th century beauty was different from country to country. In France, both men and women wore elaborate makeup with very white lead-based pastes on their faces, as well as deep red precise circles over the cheekbone. And hairstyles were nuts. Curly, powdered wigs were in. Women had ribbons, jewels, flowers, feathers, even model ships or hair lacquered into ships, as well as bird cages, sometimes with actual birds in them. These hairdos were massive, often three times the height of the head, and worn for weeks at a time, which allowed mice to build nests deep inside the dew while they slept. Across the pond in America during the colonial era, it was all about conservative choices. No makeup or elaborate bathing. In fact, it was a common belief that exposing your skin to a lot of water could be fatal because the water would seep into your skin and drown you from the inside. Once we hit the 19th century, both in America and Europe, fashionable women wanted slimmer figures because they believed it made them look intelligent and refined. Also popular, flushed cheeks, bright eyes, and red lips. All those qualities were also signs of tuberculosis, or consumption as they called it then. And that was fine because consumption was thought to be an illness of aristocratic women. Okay, we're amazed by all of this, but you know what? These folks weren't so different from us. We inject Botox, we alter our bodies with plastic surgery, implants, piercings, tattoos, and insane diets. So it seems most of us reflect the trends during whatever time we live because of our desire to be what we think is our very best self. I'm Patty Steele. The Backstory is a production of iHeartMedia, Premier Networks, the Elvis Duran Group, and Steel Trap Productions. Our producer is Doug Fraser. Our writer, Jake Kushner. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Feel free to reach out to me with comments and even story suggestions on Instagram at Real Steele and on Facebook at Patty Steele. Thanks for listening to The Backstory with Patty Steele, the pieces of history you didn't know you needed to know.